afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Draw Port here on WDAY, 701-293-9000. It's your local call-in number, 888-970-9329. You can email me, talk at WDAY.com. Or hey, you can tweet me too, at Rob Port. So uh, we were going to have on Sheriff uh, Paul Laney, Cass County Sheriff Paul Laney, who of course has been uh, one of the coordinating uh, leaders of, of North Dakota's law enforcement response to the uh, protests against the Dakota Access Pipeline. We're going to have him on to get an update about what's the latest out there. Uh, and it turns out he got called away. Um, they, uh, I, I guess they had to go back over to Mandan. There's more protest activity in that happening today. So he's busy. Uh, but hopefully we'll get him on the program at some point here in the future. So um, we're uh, today instead we're going to talk about uh, some breaking news from this afternoon. NDSU President Dean Bershani embattled NDSU President Dean Bershani getting a uh, new one-year contract from the State Board of Higher Education. The vote was seven to one. A little surprising. The one um, no vote was from uh, Don Board Member Don Morton. Uh, who, of course, has a has a lengthy history uh, with NDSU, so that was a, a little bit of a surprise vote. Um, but most of the board almost unanimously voting in favor of a of a one year extension. Prashani's previous contract uh, was a a two year extension, uh, so I, I don't know I don't know what the significance is of him just getting a one year extension this time. I, I believe it puts him on on pace to have his contract end. Uh, with a lot of the other presidents, so maybe that's just a timing thing. Maybe that's not a reflection on anything. I don't know. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm somebody who's been very critical of uh, Brashani over the last several years. Um, I don't think I've I've made any secret of the fact I think he's been a poor leader for NDSU. I think he's got the wrong priorities for higher education. I think he continues to have the wrong priorities for higher education. Um, but but let me let me put this. What I really hope is that what he just went through over the past several months, where he had the renewal of his contract delayed, he was investigated by the board uh, for you know communications issues, specifically regarding a media contract uh, to cover, cover Bison Athletics, which many people clearly found um, to be not a not not you know media restrictions that that were not a good idea. Um, what I hope is that Brashani maybe finds a path forward and, and maybe finds a way to be a better leader for NDSU. Now, I know that's going to sound odd to people who are happy that Brashani got a new contract. Um, but listen, changes changes needed. Um, there is a there's a real problem at NDSU, and frankly, uh, it's a problem that's, that's not specific to NDSU, unfortunately, in the past. But I think NDSU under Brashani has been one of the worst offenders uh, just hostility towards transparency, whether it's with the public or the legislature. Um, Bershani creating friction with the legislature through his behavior and, and frankly, really sort of a ham-handed political approach. Um, I mean, listen, there, there is a vast swath of the North Dakota legislature, the people who control the purse strings for NDSU, who simply don't trust Bershani, don't trust him. And as we enter a, a time when when budgeting is is going to be tough, when the legislature is going to be t- forced to make some some tough budget decisions, going to be forced to to in, enforce some some you know pretty hard priorities for for spending in our state. 
I'm not sure if, I mean, if I was an NDSU booster, if I was an NDSU supporter, I'm not sure I would want the guy at the helm of NDSU being somebody who the legislature distrusts as, as much, not everybody in the legislature, but a lot of people in the legislature, certainly enough to make a difference on key budget votes. Um, I'm not sure Brashani's the guy I'd want at the helm. I mean, listen, in, in the 2015 session, the North Dakota legislature took away the university system's attorneys, took them away, took them away and put them under the North Dakota Attorney General's office, also took away the, the university system's auditors. And the reason why is because they didn't trust that the lawyers were giving the university system proper advice. They didn't, they didn't trust that the auditors were doing a good job of, of really discerning problems at NDSU and, and other universities. And so they, they moved those out so that they could be independent. And a big reason why that happened is because of Brashani's leadership at NDSU. So, yeah, he's in. He's got another contract. Um, and I, I guess, uh, you know, I'm already getting some grief on that, you know, on social media and email and, and whatnot because – uh, I've been a pretty outspoken critic of, of Brashani. And, and I mean, listen, there is a what I would call a toxic fug around ND, the NDSU campus um, that is made up of alumni interests, sort of parochial Fargo business interests, um, sports super fans, sports fanatics that have all the wrong priorities for the university. You know, it's it's. Um, you know, it's about packing as many students on campus so that there's more uh, customers for restaurants and bars and apartments and everything else in Fargo. You know, all the all the economic activity and commerce that comes along with those students. Um, you know, there's there's the alumni and the sports fans who sometimes don't seem to care about anything but football championships. Um, it's just it's 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 frustrating. Um because North Dakota, North Dakota State University is supposed to serve the state of North Dakota, right? And, and do that by providing an efficient, uh, low-cost, relatively low-cost education for students. And I'm not sure that NDSU is fulfilling that goal when you start looking at, at things like graduation rates. I'm not sure that NDSU is fulfilling that goal when they're focused on graduation rates, or excuse me, not, not focused on enrollment numbers over completions, Right. I mean, that was one of the big areas of conflict between our incoming chancellor, Mark Hagerot, and President Brashani is Brashani wants to grow uh, enrollment at NDSU by something like 25 percent. Meanwhile, the legislature, meanwhile, the State Board of Higher Education, meanwhile, Chancellor Mark Hagerot want to focus on completions. And this is the problem, is that when that is communicated to somebody like Brashani, and he actually reacted about this over, you know, it was either earlier this year or last year, literally came out when the board came out and said, listen, we want to focus on completions instead of just growing enrollment, came out and said anyway, well, we're just going to grow enrollment. The North Dakota University system is supposed to operate as a system, as a unified system with, with the 11 campuses fulfilling different roles, right? NDSU has different things it can offer uh, to, to North Dakota and the students that enroll there than, say, UND or Bismarck State or Williston State or Minot State. If they operate as a system, the North Dakota University system can offer a lot of different things, specialized in a lot of different areas, and offer overall 
a really great education experience for North Dakota students. An obstacle to that goal has been Dean Brashani at North Dakota State University. There's, it's just it's just indisputable because he's got other priorities. And again, it's serving those parochial interests, serving the interests of, of sports fanatics, serving the interests of, of alumni, uh, serving uh, business interests over participating in, in the North Dakota University system. So, so here's my hope. I hope that Brashani takes what just happened it turns over a new leaf and, and, and is better going forward and, and is, is more cooperative going forward. It can maybe rebuild some trust with the legislature. I hope that's what happens. What I'm afraid is going to happen is that he's going to come out of this feeling triumphant. He's going to come out of this feeling emboldened. And we're going to get more of the same. And there's just going to be more faction, more controversy in the North Dakota University system going forward, um, much like what we've seen over the last several years. We'll wait and see. I'll keep an open mind, um, but we'll see what happens. 701-293-9000, Going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. This is the Rob Report, WDAY. Don't go away. In the Rob Report on WDAY, 701-293-9000, We're talking about uh, NDSU President Dean Rashani getting a new contract after uh, after a whole lot of controversy, but uh, the board supported him, 7-1, to one, um, after previously having uh, delayed uh, consideration of his contract. Uh, I'm hoping this pro- sparks him to uh, to turn over a new leaf. Unfortunately, I... Uh, I don't think I will. I, I don't. I don't think Mr. Prashani, after having observed his performance uh, in this office for several years now, has any intention of, of being anything other than uh, in in you know arrogant, blinkered administrator with absolutely the wrong priorities for for higher education. At least people concerned about higher education in an academic sense. Now, people who you know, are, are all in favor of, of forwarding higher education as as big business, uh, particularly big sports business. Then, yeah, I guess I guess Dean Bashani's your guy. Uh, if you're worried about you know students graduating with a with an education and a minimal amount of debt, you know, I don't see how how his his policies and his priorities could possibly be something you would support. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Let's see, we got Karen on the line. Karen, what's up? When I went to NDSU in the 1970s, it was half the size it is now, and it was huge to me. I worked on the student paper, and my concern was that the degree that they got was something they could get a job with, and I completely don't understand why uh, there has to be 18,000 students at NDSU. You know, I don't understand why. Well, I I'll, I'll, I I can tell you why. Thanks for the call, Karen. The reason why people want to grow enrollment at, at NDSU, just sort of growing enrollment for enrollment's sake. And don't get me wrong. I'm not against enrollment growth if we're talking about students who are coming there because 
um, an NDSU degree is is a a an NDSU degree is a is a lucrative thing or a good thing to have, and it is in a lot of cases. Don't get me wrong. Um, but if people are coming there because NDSU is a good place to go, and that's why we're going enrollment, fine. Uh, if we're if we're bringing kids in because we're waiving tuition left and right, and we're we're increasing, you know, we're increasing enrollment just to pack more students into more buildings on campus and 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 to grow the NDSU empire, then that is the wrong priority. Uh, now a lot of people support that again because more students in the Fargo community means you know, more customers at restaurants and shops and for hotels and, and also, frankly, a, a low-cost, relatively low-cost labor force for a lot of those same businesses. Um, you know, it's it's good. I mean, there there are, without a doubt, economic advantages to packing more students on campus. But, you know, my question for you is, is should that be the priority of, of, a, of a public university? Is it, is it a public university's job simply to attract the maximum number of students possible you know, to, to campus. Also, I mean, you're, you're talking about enrollment growth that is going to necessitate more buildings. It's going to necessitate more staff on campus. Uh, it's going to necessitate more administrators at a time when administrative bloat is already a problem on North Dakota's campuses. Uh, and the legislature is going to have to appropriate more money to do that. Is the legislature prepared to do that? Are they going to have room in the budget to do that? Did Dean Bashani even bother to ask the legislature those questions before he pushed this out to the public, announced his goal of taking NDSU's enrollment to 18,000? No, he didn't. And therein lays the problem with Dean Bashani's leadership. He behaves, he, he, he is, he is the administrator. He is subordinate to the chancellor of the higher education system. He is subordinate to the State Board of Higher Education, and indirectly, he is subordinate to the policy priorities of the, of the North Dakota legislature, at least somewhat. The legislature doesn't have direct control, but the legislature does have budgetary control, so what they have to say about the priorities of the university matters because they end up having to fund a lot of those priorities. And because we elect them to oversee the public's dollars, they have a right to make sure that those dollars are expended in an appropriate fashion. Now, the problem with Brashani is he goes off on these wild tangents and he just does what he does, does whatever he wants to do without checking because he doesn't think he participates in a system. And what was really interesting, Kirsten Diedrich, who was a legislative candidate earlier this month and, and did not win election in District 46, uh, former head of the State Board of Higher Education, uh, withdrew from getting a second term when it became clear that the legislature was not going to uh, approve her appointment to another term on the State Board of Higher Education. Uh, last week, I think it was, wrote a letter to the editor uh, and talked about how um, how offensive she found it as a supporter of President Brashani that anybody would expect the university system to to operate as a system. And it, it just blew my mind. I, I, everybody wants the university system to operate as a university, except it seems for this community of people around North Dakota State University. I mean, we're, listen, we've been very lucky. We have gotten rid of some, one way or the other, gotten rid of some very bad university presidents in the state of North Dakota. Um, at at uh, Minot State University, David Fuller's gone. At the University of North Dakota, Robert Kelly's gone. Um, I really think the last big obstacle to, you know, getting the North Dakota University system on track was getting rid of Brashani. And the fact that we didn't get rid of him, I'm afraid, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe Brashani's going to turn over a, a new leaf, but I'm afraid it's, it's going to perpetuate a lot of the problems that we've seen.
and the problems are real. You know, maybe not for people who only seem to care about football or the number of students we pack on campus, but for those of us concerned about academic outcomes, for those of us who are concerned about how much the university costs the taxpayers, costs the students, I don't know. I guess we'll see. More to come here on the Rob Report. 701-293-9000, We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Rob Report, WDAY, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. In my uh, ongoing efforts to discern what the hell happened on Election Day, I, uh, I, I, wrote, a, I wrote a post today on the blog, uh, sayanythingblog.com, about uh, State Representative Kylie Overson. Uh, she is a Democratic uh, chairwoman. Uh, of of the state uh, Democratic Party, North Dakota Democratic Party, and uh, she also lost her her seat in the House uh, along with uh, Senate Minority Leader Max Schneider, House Minority Leader Kenton Onstead. It was an absolute bloodbath for Democrats in North Dakota. Um, I mean, they, they lost ground. They were already a thoroughly marginalized state party, uh, and and they managed to to not while while resting squarely on rock bottom got out the drills and managed to push themselves down to new lows. Um, anyway, what, what was interesting was that Overson sent out uh, an email to the, the, the state party's email list. I think it was yesterday. Uh, I wrote about it today. And in it, I mean, she, she just she didn't take any of the blame herself for the North Dakota Democrats losing ground. Um, she blamed Trump. Here, I'll read an excerpt. The whole email is up at sayanythingblog.com if you want to read it. But here's an excerpt. What happened on Tuesday night was not a reflection of the tireless work of our candidates, staff, and volunteers. Despite our best efforts, we still came up short. In District, Obama won in 2008 and 2012. Trump won by nearly 10 points. This was a national wave that no one, not the pollsters, the pundits, the experts, or even Trump's campaign saw coming. That was not a failure of our candidates, our resolve, or our dedication. First of all, as for Trump, I mean, Trump, I, we could think what we want. I mean, it's, I, I think at this point it's just conjecture as to whether or not he really thought he won. Publicly, he said he thought he'd won all along. And, um, and he won. So I think maybe we should stop assuming what, what Trump campaign knew or didn't know. Um, but what's interesting to me is, is, is the way that, that Overson doesn't take any responsibility for what has happened to Democrats here in North Dakota. Because to, to, to blame this on Trump is to conclude that the marginalization of, of Democrats in North Dakota is something that just happened this election cycle. I mean, certainly Trump was a political phenomena. There's no question about that. But Democrats have been losing ground in North Dakota for a long time now. Um, this is This is a new low for them in recent times but 
this isn't some new phenomenon. And I, I think Democrats would do themselves a favor if they started, if, if, if they maybe actually, instead of just blaming Trump, engaged in some introspection and tried to figure out what happened here. Because North Dakota, I, I don't think, is, is like this, this ultra-right conservative state. I think North Dakota is a very populist place. I think that's why a lot of uh, Trump's talk caught on here. I think that's why Trump is so popular here. I mean, you remember, remember Hillary Clinton got smaller, got much smaller margins than Barack Obama did. And Barack Obama was, was by no, no means a popular presidential candidate here in North Dakota. But his last time out, he got 38% of the vote. Hillary Clinton got 27% of the vote. She was 11 points down from where Obama was in, in 2012. That's a problem. And, and how, how did Democrats get here? I, I think the problem is North Dakota's Democrats just seem incapable. I, it, a lot of times, I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of times it seems like North Dakota Democrats are kind of embarrassed to be from North Dakota. I mean, that's that's just setting all politics aside. When I listen to them talk, I read their op-eds in the newspaper, I read uh, their social media postings, especially their social media postings. It's it's like they're always kind of embarrassed for our state, and rather you know rather trying to understand why people in our state feel the way they do. They're quick to disparage the positions that that North Dakotans take, right? And I think it feeds into that sort of national problem with Democrats thinking everybody that disagrees with them is racist or misogynistic or bigoted or whatever. It's they've left no they've left no room for pragmatism. They've left no room for moderates. As a matter of fact, I would argue that all the moderates and pragmatists who used to be in the North Dakota Democratic Party once upon a time, maybe back in the 80s and 90s when they were winning elections, when we had an all-Democratic uh, uh, federal delegation, when we had a Democratic governor, we had some Democrats in statewide offices, there was room for pragmatism. And... That seems to be utterly gone now. It, it seems to me, and this is a line that I used in my post, it seems like North Dakota Democrats have been worn down to a small little nub of mostly angry left-wing progressives who measure the success of their messages in the number of likes and comments their sanctimonious Facebook posts get from other liberals. This is where they're at. I I don't I don't see I don't see North Dakota's Democrats doing anything other than sort of smugly posting on Facebook um, about issues that that either aren't priorities for North Dakotans or or that most North Dakotans don't necessarily agree with the progressive outlook on. And rather than maybe trying to 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 teach North Dakotans or or or, or, or to persuade. North Dakotans to, to that position or, or to sway them, we get these these sort of sanctimonious messages just sort of condemning where North Dakotans are on this. I mean, what, what North Dakota, in, in politics, you win by addition, not subtraction. And I think what Democrats have been doing with their attitudes, with their messaging, is slowly subtracting from their base. They've been chipping away at it. It's been getting smaller and smaller. And really it becomes a self-perpetuating thing. Because a moment ago I just described them as being worn down to this this nub, this little core of, of hardcore leftism. And, and the problem is, is that when all the pragmatists are gone, when all the moderates are gone, you don't have anybody to stand up and say, hey, 
Maybe we should try understanding the other side. Now, Republicans in the state deserve some credit, too, because they have done something pretty remarkable in holding together uh, a dominant supermajority in our state government for a couple of decades now. And part of the reason why you do that is allowing plenty of disagreement within Republican ranks. I actually wrote about this earlier this week. There was an article in the Bismarck Tribune about how when Governor-elect Doug Burgum takes office, he is going to be challenged by a Republican-led legislature. And so far from this uh, notion of, uh, of, of, of a unified Republican Party mo- marching in lockstep to advance a far right-wing agenda, which is how North Dakota Democrats describe it. That's how they talk about it. That's how they want people to believe it. Far from that, what you're going to have is a Republican Party that has a lot of diverse ideas in it. It has a lot of intra-party s- competition. You know, I, I would say maybe even some intra-party squabbling. Uh, even up to the point where the legislature is going to be, I mean, it's going to be a challenge for the governor, right? It's not going to be Burgum just sitting in the governor's office now, right? Because if the North Dakota Republican Party was all marching in lockstep, then Burgum could just sit in the governor's office and just make edicts, and the legislature would rubber stamp them, and they would become policy. But that's not how it's going to work, because there's plenty of competition within the Republican Party, because the Republican Party actually embraces, in this state, a pretty wide swath of ideas. That's been the key to the success of, of, of the North Dakota Republican Party. And I think it's, you know, the, because the opposite of true is true of the North Dakota Democratic Party. That's been a symptom of their downfall. And when I read an email like that from Chairwoman Kylie Overson, who I'm sorry had no business being the chair of, of the political party in this state, report after report I got from Democrats were that the party was in shambles, disorganized, out of touch. When I read that email about how they're just going to blame it all on Trump and it was this national trend, that excuse doesn't fly. North Dakota Democrats lost because they stand for things that most North Dakotans don't want. They lost because they, they frankly, act behave like they're ashamed to be from North Dakota. They lost because they, they find themselves, they, they have defined policy positions that a lot of North Dakotans take define them as as not just objectionable, not just wrong, but evil. That's been their problem. And I I don't know how they're going to dig out of it. I I don't know how they're going to dig out of it when there's nobody left in the state Democratic Party that has much in common with the average North Dakotan. Or at least a, a, a large enough swath of of north dakotans that is going to win you some elections on the statewide ballot or or even help you pick up some seats now that said i I think probably four years from now some of the republicans elected in some of these traditionally uh democratic districts across the state uh you know they're going to be hard pressed to, to, to hold on to those seats and and democrats may be able to come back but you know Coming back from a, you know, turning your, your super duper minority in the legislature into just a super minority in the legislature is, is not exactly the stuff that comebacks are made of. So, I mean, they're, they're decimated. And honestly, I don't, I don't feel very sorry for them. I, I think there's a lot of people out there saying that, that single party rule is not a healthy thing. Uh, and generally, I would agree with that. But in North Dakota, the Republican Party is, is pretty, again, 
They're not exactly marching in lockstep. They're not exactly a bunch of ideologues. Much to the consternation at times of conservatives like myself, who maybe wish that, that, that the Republican majorities were a little bit more faithful to conservative ideology. I think Republicans do a pretty good job of giving North Dakotans what they want. That's why they're winning elections. 701-293-9000, That's the toll-free number. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. Rob Port, you're listening to The Rob Report, 701-293-9000, Hey, tomorrow, going to have on, um, I'm actually recording the interview after this show today, because uh, we couldn't get a we couldn't get a time set up uh, while I'm on air, so we're going to do a pre-recorded interview with Energy Transfer Partner CEO Kelsey Warren. Uh, he is the CEO, that's, that's the company that's building the Dakota Access Pipeline, uh, they're now, uh, you know, pushing the courts to uh, clear the political obstruction that the Obama administration has put in place to completing that pipeline, which I, I believe me, I think most people in North Dakota just want the damn thing built. I think everybody's tired of it. I'm tired of writing about the protests. Everybody's just tired of it. Um, anyway, we'll uh, we'll have uh, I'm interviewing him after the show. We'll have the recording uh, on tomorrow's show. And also, uh, coming up Friday, I'm going to have on uh, Williston Herald uh, reporter Renee Jean on the program. She wrote she wrote a pretty interesting article about the treatment of journalists at at the protest camps. It was published in the Williston Herald. Let me let me read you a, an excerpt from this. Um, I quote: "We were not to take photographs where people would." be recognizable without asking first, nor were we to take pictures of people wearing Native American regalia or engaging in private prayer or ceremonies without explicit permission. Even if we were going on an action that might be in a public place and involve interactions with public officials, we could only take photos if given permission by the action leader, or else we might lose our pass as well as perhaps all our work. If we behaved like, quote, paparazzi and peppered people with too many uncomfortable questions, we were again inviting security to come surround us, take our equipment, and delete all our work. That meant we couldn't really press for answers to tough questions, and we had to be careful who we asked such questions and where, because we could be overheard by someone who might call security. Now, what's what's pretty remarkable to me is that that's happening out at the Dakota at, at, at the Dakota Access protest, this is a reporter for a one of the state's newspapers, the Williston Herald, um, well-respected, longtime reporter. And, you know, and she's down there and she's trying to take pictures of what's going on. She's trying to talk about what's going on, and I, I can understand if people are, you know, off to the side and not really involved in the protest, and they're just praying or whatever, and not necessarily wanting their picture in the newspaper. I, I mean, I get that, but um, the idea that a reporter, you know, Asking too many tough questions might get all their work deleted by by security. And what what really surprised me? Why are we just hearing about this from Renee Jean? I mean, if this is what's going on out there, can you imagine if the pipeline company was doing this? If the pipeline company was threatening to delete journalists' work, 
Pretty unbelievable. Anyway, Renee Jean, she's going to be on the program with us Friday. So stay tuned for that. Remember, you can catch me here right on WDAY, right on WDAY 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday. Or, of course, at SayAnythingBlog.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Now must be someone of a book.